Jen Zamparelli on 2FM with Leia Healthcare. Always a beat ahead. Visit LeiaHealthcare.ie. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Pregnant with a drag queen is it's an entertaining and really thought-provoking docudrama that's going to air on Virgin Media 1. It's going to be on tonight at 11pm, so make sure you tune in. But it's really interesting because the film tells the story of how Enda McGrattan, as a queer person grown up in 1990s Dublin, unlocked something within themselves by giving birth to Ireland's greatest known drag queen, Veda. Well, I'm delighted to say that I'm in the presence of drag royalty with Veda herself in studio. Good morning. Wow, am I the greatest known drag queen? Yes. Panty is going to claw my eyes out. She will. You know, she will. Um, I'm actually just the most beautiful drag queen in the world <laughs> in my price range. <laughs> That's how I diplomatically... Is there rivalry there in the drag world? Uh, a little bit, but in the funnest way, Panty and I are sisters and BFFs and I hang out with her every Saturday night in her bar after my karaoke in the George. So it's supportive... Fun. That's what I, anytime I've met a drag artist, it does seem to be a very supportive, bitchy in a fun kind of way, but a supportive community. Yeah. Yeah, we're like a big family, really. Mm. And you may not be best friends with all of your cousins, but it doesn't mean that you don't show them respect. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Uh-huh. Do you, your, just your relationship with Panty, I mean, is that years? Do you yeah, know, yeah. Do you I did, years, um, yeah. I was producing the fashion show in Trinity back in the mid-90s. And Niall Sweeney is a mutual friend of Panty and mine. He's a graphic designer. And he put Panty on the poster flyer tickets for this show that I was doing. We had never met. She was living in in Tokyo. She came then to present the awards at this show. It was a vodka design show. I won't Gorgeous. mention the brand. <laughs> and, um, and we just hit it off straight away. We both ended up working in McCullough's, which was a clothes shop back then, um, where McCullough Pickett's the music shop used to be. Yeah. And we hung around in those uh, shishi places that you two had money in. <laughs> and, I love it. And yeah, we've been tight ever since. Let's talk about the film. It's called Pregnant with a Drag Queen. I have a little clip. I just want to play it for our listeners. Have a listen to this. It says here that you've had quite a life-changing experience. Could you elaborate on that for us, please? Well, I've had a couple of those, but um, I'll tell you about the first major one. A number of years ago, I found myself pregnant with a drag queen. I love that line. Thank you. Well done. Uh, what was the inspiration behind the title and, and what exactly does it mean? Tell me. I think sometimes in life your words are also your wand. So you just magically make things happen by the things that you say. And basically the whole premise of the film is that it's an interview, a chat show interview, a kind of trashy one, Ricky Lake style mm-hmm. thing. Sorry, Ricky. And... Um, And it came about because the writer-director, Colin Brady, of Taller Stories, sat me down and interviewed me several times in my home. And every word in the script that I say came directly out of my mouth. But he chose what moments to hone in on in my life. And um, and one of the things I said was that at, at this time in my life, when I discovered alternative drag, I became pregnant with Veda, my drag character. And you know, and felt like it was time to give birth to her. And I think he might have honed in on that a bit because he was having, he and his beautiful wife were having a baby at the time. Mm -hmm. So we, uh, and also the whole DNA testing kind of chat show culture. So I think that's how it came about. 
Yeah, I want to talk about your journey to Veda as well. But you do pay reference to Mr. Pussy, who we all know, uh, very synonymous in the queer world. Can we talk about Mr. Pussy for a second? How significant Mr. I would Pussy happily was. do press tour just to talk about Mr. Pussy at all times. Uh, Mr. Pussy is my drag mom and my dear friend and uh, Irish cabaret legend, the original drag star here in Ireland. And she started doing drag in London in the 60s and 70s. In the 80s, she started coming here more and really cornered the market by traveling to all of the country pubs and hotels and putting on shows so that my parents' generation, everybody knows Mr. Pussy. Yeah. But she had a brunch on Sunday. It's not like she stopped. You know, she's still doing <laughs> still her going. thing. And she was but at the it, premiere of the movie, of course. Yeah. And it's funny. We enjoy the joke that, you know, Robbie Lawler, uh, your friend of mine and mm-hmm. co-HIV activist Robbie Lawler plays a young panty in the film. But Mr. Pussy plays a young Mr. Pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. The story must be wild. I mean, yeah. does she talk about the change in Ireland? Yeah, absolutely. And she was a big part of the change. And at that time, um, Mr. Pussy was probably the only drag queen that most Irish people had ever seen or heard of or certainly seen in the flesh, Mm -hmm. but also the only out queer person at that time. Even when I was a kid, there was only a handful of out queer people in Irish, in Dublin culture, you know. One of them I love to mention too, of course, is the Dice Man. Um, Tom McGinty, who was a street performer, who um, was one of the first HIV activists and certainly the most significant one in Ireland. He went on the Late Late Show with Gay Byrne and gave an interview about living with AIDS, sadly just a few months before he passed away. Um, And I got to pay tribute to him in the movie How to Tell a Secret, which is available on Netflix, of course. And it's a very different kind of film. And it's funny how, you know, that that I got to pay tribute to him and now Robbie is playing Panty in this new film. And we started this new trend where HIV activists... (laughs) Two screen tributes to each other, you know, but it's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. Can we talk about, uh, you know, even in today's world, we see the challenges that uh, trans or queer queer people face while growing up. We see that. Um, But what what was it like trying to navigate that in Ireland in the 1990s? It was. I mean, you just touched on it there. I mean, these people... Um, the Dice Man, Mr. Pussy, must have been so important to yeah, the queer community. Absolutely. And it's vital that we keep them alive and their memory alive. You know, Mr. Pussy's still alive. She's going to kill me. <laughs> but um, there wasn't an internet. She had then. a brunch on Sunday. She's still going strong. <laughs> yeah. 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 There was no, no social media. So it's harder to, to keep that. Yeah. And keep that culture alive. Um, uh, there's lots of other people featured in this little film that. Uh, we had to unearth footage from the 90s of these drag legends because now, luckily, you know, we get to record every moment and every, every and important everybody, thing. And everybody, you know, gets to experience it. Um, yeah. You know, especially, I, I always think of people, the queer community in rural Ireland. It's, yeah. it's kind of, it, I don't mean to be blasé about this, but a little easier in big cities than yeah. it is if you're out in the sticks and you have no references or nobody's seen. You don't have social media. Yeah, and we talk about this stuff as if it's happening in the past. And there was a, a young a non-binary person murdered in Oklahoma last week in a in a school bathroom. Yeah. You know, well, they Very sustained sad. their injuries there and, and later passed away in a hospital. Nobody called an ambulance. Nobody called the police. Nobody in the school did anything about it. So it's heart-wrenching for me to watch this scenes that we recreated and I grew up with quite a privilege 
very privileged background. I like to call myself Paz Spice. I'm the HIV positive <laughs> Paz Spice. But, um, but I still experience very isolating and traumatizing events and yeah. a lot of bullying. Um, and that hasn't changed, sadly, for a lot of people. And it's important. I think now um, trans kids are experiencing the same level of bullying that maybe queer kids did when I was a kid. Yeah. It might be more accepted now to be gay, but it's still very controversial to be trans. And a lot of people pipe in and have opinions who aren't trans, aren't parent of trans kids and aren't Never close met to trans, trans people. Per- absolutely. Yeah. And uh, it's so interesting that you said that because I never thought about it like that, that the trans people are going through what the queer community went through maybe in the 80s and 90s. And the biggest advocate for trans people, I have to say, visibly, is the queer community. Um <sighs> So you're living in Ireland. You're feeling sometimes isolated. Did you ever feel like jumping ship and, and going somewhere else? You you did, of course, go to San Francisco. Yeah. Well, when I was a kid, everybody who was gay that you might have been vaguely aware of moved to London or moved to the States, yeah. or maybe Australia. There wasn't really an older big brother generation of gays for us coming up for lots of reasons, mostly because of AIDS, of course, which sadly took so many lives, but also because... Gay people didn't stay here. Queer people didn't stay here. They moved away. Mm -hmm. Unless maybe they snuck into the priesthood, but that would be a whole other movie. That's another show. So, so yeah, I I also wanted to do that. So, um, during J1 season, I went to San Francisco to visit my friend, Paul Rowley, who's a filmmaker now living in New York. Um, And he had already started doing drag in a club there called The Stud. And he signed us up for a drag show. So on my first day ever in the States, I spent the day getting in drag. We called ourselves the Fashion Olympics. We looked like a kind of Grecian strawberry switchblade, if you can imagine it. it. And uh, we performed The Passions. I'm in love with the German film star. Do you know that song? It's such a great song. And um, and I had no desire or ambition to be a drag queen. I was just sort of going along with my friend to have this fun night out in a club. But when I was there, I saw other performers, uh, in particular this one performer called Steve Lady, who sadly passed away a few years ago. Um, I had never seen androgynous drag before. I'd never connected the dots between David Bowie and Mr. Pussy. And somehow Steve Lady connected all those dots. And mm-hmm. that really gave me a whole new perspective on what a drag queen could do or what a drag queen could be. Was it a bit like leaving Ireland, going to San Francisco? Was it a bit like Dorothy when she the film goes from black and white into full colour? And like you're in this where you're like, oh, OK. Yeah, well. This is what life can be like. If you're innocent enough, young enough in the 1990s and you see your first yellow taxi, it really blows your mind because I had never traveled to the States at all. And we all absorb so much of their culture through television and film that it all feels familiar, surreally familiar. So very much like a Wizard of Oz moment. You've stepped into the television set. Also, things like uh, the supermarchés there stayed open all night, 24 hours. So we would go to the club and then go and get like a shopping trolley and go around the supermarket and drag and then have a bit of a party back (laughs) back home. It was wild. It was was very different to here. (laughs) Very, very different. Um, Identifying as queer and being comfortable with who you were as a person uh, wasn't the last hurdle you had to kind of overcome. You were diagnosed with HIV. Can you just tell us a bit about that 
journey really quickly and sure. how you do now. And I know you're very good. You're an advocate and you have a film on Netflix. Gotcha. It's it's uh-huh. all happening. But tell me about that diagnosis and how you felt when you first <coughs> had that diagnosis. Did you think, that's okay. Did you think this is it for me? Um, at the time, I, I think... I fell into a bit of a black hole and I wasn't really taking in the information, to be honest, when it happened first. It was a bit of a slow motion moment. And I went into a bit of a denial and didn't educate myself very much about HIV. And even though I knew because we were past the mid-90s when people stopped dying of AIDS, I knew I wasn't going to die, but I didn't really know what my real health prognosis would be. Luckily for me, we have incredible magical medication these days and it doesn't impact my health at all. I take one pill a day, mm-hmm. which is great. Or any partners you have or anything. Like it is it is just incredible when Robbie talks about it and you talk about it. Like I think we just need to remind ourselves how far we've come with this. I mean, you can live a practical, a normal life uh-huh. And just this one little pill every single day. Yes. And I can't pass on HIV to anybody else. Zero risk. That's a scientific fact. And that's just amazing. But we didn't know that when I was diagnosed. That wasn't the information until 2015. So this was like 2009. So I still was dealing with, I think, the stigma and shame associated with uh, HIV diagnosis has been lingering since the 1980s because really once people stop dying we stop talking about it but we never really address the stigma or the shame and that's the reason that most people by far most people living with HIV don't share their status publicly or if at all yeah. they don't feel safe to do it because of judgment and, and shame and racism and other things like that I have another clip let's have a listen to this most people enjoy an occasional gamble the fun the thrill even our relationships owe much to chance. But today, if you play around, the stakes are too high because you're gambling with AIDS. Meet someone who is an AIDS carrier, and although condoms give some protection, just one act of intercourse may give you AIDS and lead to death. Can you... That is wild. But can you describe or explain to the listener exactly what that is? That is a public service... Um, announcement from the Irish government and the HSC about HIV AIDS in the 1980s. That's education, apparently. Um, So dramatic. The scary horror music behind it. Yeah. Misinformation just completely terrifying to anybody. Shaming people around sex, which was the culture so much at the time and still is, you know, in many ways. Really, shame is such a love blocker. It keeps people away from you. It builds distance in your life, you know. So HIV shame and any STI shame, and then by extension, any shame at all, all the way to toenail fungus is just not healthy or smart. It's not helping, no. Uh, Viruses don't care. Who you are, choices you've made, who you've slept with. They don't care. So why should we attach that kind of social guilt to any diagnosis that we get? We're just hurting ourselves, you know. Well, luckily, we've come a long way since that type of public service announcement. I think we can all agree on that one. Um, I love how you always talk about the positive aspects that HIV has, has brought to your life. Can you elaborate on that for me a little bit? I sure can. I'm so lucky, really, um... And I wouldn't change a thing. That's the truth. I wouldn't change a thing now about um, living with HIV. Uh, I like to say that HIV is in my body and I just want to be a good host 
That's the message of the film. So I just want to live a good life and be sim <laughs> symbiotic yeah. with my HIV yeah. in every way. Yeah. Feel good and know that my HIV is doing well. Um, but the most important thing that HIV has brought to me is a tribe of friends also living with HIV. There are 11 people living with HIV in this film. Um, that's groundbreaking. I think it's historic, maybe. Representation is everything. So the fact that the person playing me in the film, Adrian Duggan, has been living with HIV since he was 17 and came out on our podcast last year and is now on this journey with me and mm. he's just one of another handful of people um, is the most important thing to me. And it's not just the film. We do the podcast together. We do events together. We went fishing with Anne Doyle at Lambay Island. No <laughs> we, we have the crack. And it's not what people expect from a tribe of people living with HIV. But we need to keep reminding people, don't we? Yeah. That, you know, to lift the stigma. I think it's important. And you're a great advocate for the queer community, the Thank trans you. community, because you're always talking and you, you take the time to do it, which is so, so important. So I thank you for that. Uh, legendary drag queen Veda, who is the star of a new docudrama, it's called Pregnant with a Drag Queen. It's a great title and a great film. It airs on Virgin Media 1 tonight, 11pm. It's a brilliant piece of work. So make sure you go and check it out. Jen Zamparelli on 2FM with Leia Healthcare. Always a beat ahead. Visit leiahealthcare.ie. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always.